Good morning, and welcome to episode 717 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Ben Lindberg of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus in my backyard. Hello. Hey, Ben. This isn't even close to morning. This is probably the furthest from morning we have ever recorded. If you're going with the uh, Price is Right model. Yes, I, I am. But... People will probably hear this in the morning, because we've missed the commute. So, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? All right. Speak up. Speak up. There you go. Wait, okay. where is my mic? Is my microphone on top here? It says, Sam's on. This microphone <laughs> literally says, Sam's on. Yeah, I think you're mispronouncing it, but you can <laughs> interpret it that way. <laughs> um, so, anything? Uh, about uh, banter? Yeah. No, I saw that you wrote about uh, Webb Albers. I sure did. I've thought for the last year, every time I've not had a topic over the last year, I've thought maybe I should write about Ryan Webb and Matt Albers and see whether my editor would be as interested in that as our listeners are. And Was she? She was, and uh, I have yet to not interest her in something that seems very effectively wildish and esoteric. She always goes for it. And I spoke to Webb and Albers, and that piece is up at Grantland now. I will link to it. But the upshot was that they know about their their record, or Webb's record, which is now at 97 games finished without a save, and Albers is way behind at 86, which is still 10 more than any other pitcher has ever had. And they are very good sports about it. They would, uh, they'd like to have a save, I would say. Their preference would be to have a save, but they're not stressing about it. Huh. Well, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, so it was good to, good to talk to them. They were aware of the record, but they were not aware of the extent to which it has become a thing. They didn't know that there was a banished to the pen Webb Albers fantasy league where people try to draft games finished and avoid saves they were not aware of that but uh but they had the same sort of perspective on it that we do that they could easily have recorded a save at some point in their lives that it's largely random that they haven't just picked up a three inning save at some point or one of the other ways you can get a save closer unavailable or even becoming a closer web is not a believer in the closer mentality he thinks any pitcher who is in Major League Baseball can go out and get three innings or get three outs in the ninth inning. And he thinks that he could, too, if he were given the chance. I would love to poll Major League relievers and see what the split is, what the breakdown is of closers versus non-closers believing in the closer mentality. Yeah. Well, you would. You, there's, a, there's that old saying, or I don't remember the saying exactly. There's... There's that old saying that I forget that I'm now going to butcher that says the, the basic, she's wow, really. All right. The basic idea that it's, it's almost impossible to change someone's mind if their financial interests uh, are aligned mm-hmm. with their original opinion. Yeah, right. And he, he actually sort of thinks there's like a, like a, a swingman mentality or whatever you would call Webb. Webb has pitched in every inning 
from the third through the ninth this year, as well as extra innings. And Albers has pitched in every inning from the fourth through the ninth, as well as extra innings. And Webb sort of, he sort of said the closer mentality thing about the job that he does. Like, not that many people would be able to pitch in every inning and uh, not be flustered by that. So I guess maybe whatever job you do, you think that 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 not everyone can do it, except for podcasting. We think yeah. anyone could do this better than yeah. we could. Anyway, interesting interview. Glad I got to talk to them about it. I think I will I will close this show with a, a clip or two from my interviews with them, just so you can hear Webb and Albers speaking about this record after all the many months of us speaking about them. So, anything else? Uh, no. There is one thing that Marcel Azuna said that some people pointed out in the Facebook group. He was called up from AAA, and he compared AAA to jail. And uh, maybe it, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but he was kind of kept there, it, it seemed like, for maybe service time Marlins-related reasons. And so they have called him back up. He obviously had a good year last year, has not had a good year this year. And he had a, one interesting quote, which was, I know what happened when they sent me down. I knew that's coming. I don't go there for work because they know me. I don't need the work. One for 36, one for 100. Every big league player has it. I have it and everybody has it. One for 100. Every every big leaguer has that. Yeah. Even John Lester doesn't quite have that. He's at like one for 80 or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. One for 100 is something that I don't think any any big leaguer has. What was that? There was a quote that Mike Trout's dad once gave me that he knew that the 0 for 28s were coming or something uh, like that. Uh-huh. And uh, he hasn't been, like, remotely close to that ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't there some famous player had a, an 0 for 28, right? It was, like, oh, Willie Mays like, or... Willie Mays had yeah. one and, and Joe Morgan had a huge one. I think Joe Morgan had, like, an 0 for 56 or something absurd. <laughs> wow. Huh. Yeah, that's halfway to Marcelo Zuna's number. So, uh, John Lester. John Lester is one for one for 80, exactly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about John Lester's pickoff throw last week. Oh, I didn't know he had one. What yeah, did he do? it was his first one since his first start of the season, and he threw it away. <laughs> he threw it wide, very far wide. Really? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. It was an inning where he allowed like four stolen bases or something like that and he he finally threw over there and he threw it way wide and he is i think the last time i checked on pace to allow the most stolen bases ever by a left-handed starting pitcher in a season so that has happened (laughs) what we were wondering has happened although he has still been a above average starting pitcher because it seems like that's just it can't hurt you that much. It only hurts you to a certain extent if you're good enough at keeping guys off base. Doesn't matter oh, how bad so, you are at controlling the running game. So hang on. So how far wide did he throw it? Uh, well, we can pause for a Sam watches something no one else can see segment. Okay. Uh, it looks like Joe Morgan, by the way, he had a 14-game hitless stretch where he went over 34. So he might have gone like over 40 if you include the first and last at-bats of the previous and last games. I'm not sure. And then he also had an 0-for-31 stretch. So mm-hmm. those are both pretty bad. Yeah. But not as bad as I thought. Yeah. 
The longest, it looks like Willie Mays was only in like the low 20s, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, thought it was 20-something. Yeah, the longest game streak, this game streak he had was seven, and that covered 19 and, and 17. Okay. Second Brewers hit. And now Lester throws over and throws it away. Oh, wow, that's a bad throw. Very bad Very bad. He basically threw it where the base runners was standing before he got back to the base. And so since then, uh, was that his last start or has he had a start since? That was August 13th, so that was his last start. Okay. Because now it feels even more like you ought to be able to go. Like, I still don't understand why there hasn't been a team that stole, like, 14 bases against him in a game. I'm still waiting for it to get absurd. Yeah. And it's still the weirdest thing about it that that hasn't happened. They yeah. stole five in that game. And yeah. I don't, know, I don't know what inning the pickoff attempt was. But they stole five, and he caught one. Mm-hmm. He's caught four guys in his last five starts. Hmm. Yeah, there was an inning in the Stumpers season, or a game in the Stumpers season, where the opposing catcher was a guy who didn't normally play catcher and we just ran and ran and ran and ran and stole eight bases right and in a game in a game and there was no reason not to because we could have just kept doing it all day and he just didn't have the skill that would allow him to catch anyone really so you would think that something similar would happen with with lester yeah thanks for telling me sure okay so we are going to talk a little bit about the Nationals, and every day that's gone by, I thought maybe we should talk about the Nationals, and then they lose again, and and the story gets even more confusing and surprising. And so we are going to talk about them now. They are 10-20 and 20 in the second half and 4-12 and 12 in August. So just in the last few weeks, they have gone from being a playoff favorite, really a, a very strong playoff favorite, even though their season had been regarded as slightly disappointing to that point. They were still in pretty good position, and I wrote something in the Grantland second half preview about, you know, are, are we going to see the, the real Nationals that we all expected to see in the second half? They, they haven't been the juggernaut that some people projected, but there's still time for them to become that juggernaut by the playoffs, and get their hurt players back healthy and you know by the time October rolls around maybe they'll actually be the Nationals that we thought we were going to see this spring and instead they have gone backwards in in every way since the second half and they are now long shots really by by any estimation they are uh, according to BP's playoff odds as we record this they have 20 a 20% chance of making the playoffs and uh, most of that, almost all of that, is a chance of winning the division and coming back and overtaking the Mets, who have a four-and-a-half game lead. But uh, they are under 500. The Nationals are 58-59 and 59 today, which is one of the more surprising. If you were to open up the standings page right now, if you could show today's standings page to your April self, what do you think would be the most surprising result? Well, I can tell you that if I had a chance to to show it to my April self, <laughs> you'd be the, surprised that Future Sam was was there for for one thing. Well, the one that I would most want fu- uh, past self to know 
so that I could just like hard code a fix in is the Royals. Yeah. Uh, right. Now, is that the most surprising? Is the Royals more surprising? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely the the, the surprises are the uh, the A's, the Nationals, and the Royals. Those are the three big ones, right? And maybe the Yankees. I, there are really a lot to choose from. <laughs> it's oh, not and Boston. Be, Boston. And Boston, yeah. and probably the Astros, right? Yeah, not. I mean, they're on. I mean, sixty-four know. and fifty-five. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. They're nine games over five hundred. I mean, they're on pace to win like eighty-four or eighty-five, something like that. Mm. Right. Uh, what are they? They're five thirty-eight. So yeah, eighty-seven. Okay. Uh, if they keep winning, but if uh, sorry, when I say on pace, I mean they're uh, our playoff odds, mm-hmm. our projections. Oh, I probably see. Probably have them at eighty-four, eighty-five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not that surprising. I mean, I. What it, didn't we already do this? We predicted them each. Each of us projected them at like eighty or eighty-one. Yeah, and right, and there, there are tons of surprise. I mean, I'd be surprised that the Cardinals were thirty-four games over five hundred. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that the Cardinals were in first place, but I'd be surprised that they were on pace to win a hundred something. And yeah, the the teams you mentioned, I'd I'd be surprised that Seattle is fifty-five and sixty-four. I'd be surprised. I'd probably be more surprised about where the Mariners are than where the A's are because I thought the Mariners would be the best team in that division and I thought the A's would be okay. So I'd be more surprised probably about the Mariners. I'd be surprised about the Astros. About the Tigers. Remember? Do you remember when my big, weird, uh, unconventional pick in my predictions, preseason predictions, was the Tigers? Wasn't it the White Sox? I no, I had the Tigers in fourth. Oh, and yeah, right. Well, you had the White Sox winning, right? I think you had the White Sox winning. I think I did have the White Sox winning. So yeah, there's and, no. I got nothing about. I, sorry, I just want to be very clear. I got nothing, <laughs> nothing about that division right, except the Tigers being bad. But yeah, I got nothing about any division right, except yeah. for the NL Central and maybe the NL West, sort of. At least the teams that are on top. And I mean, lots of people predicted that the Indians would be very good this year, that they'd win the division. They're in last place, and they've you know probably played better than that, but still, they're in last place. So there's almost no division that isn't surprising, you know, other than the Central and, to some extent, the West in the NL. Everything is weird. But the Nationals being under 500 has to be one of the, the weirder. Where does that rank? Right, well, is that in your top three? Didn't we correct? You, I might be wrong, but didn't we talk about how trading for Max Scherzer felt unnecessary? That it, the yeah, one of the weird sure. things. About, yeah, one of the weird things about that trade was that they would take on seven years of a guy, basically a contract that you knew would hurt them by the end, to get really good in a year where they were already so good they didn't need him. Yeah, like uh-huh. the, it just felt like so so easy for them to walk to the NL East crown. Yeah. That, why and why take anything out of your future to pursue it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And and we thought it would be a weak division, and it has been a weak division. And the Mets have been a little bit better than expected, but not extraordinarily better than expected. So it is the Nationals just being very weak. And I, I, I didn't make any crazy predictions for the Nationals. I didn't come out and say they were going to win 105 games or even 100 games, but... But the fact that they're under 500 is 
definitely one of the more surprising things of the season. And Dave Cameron wrote about it, and he kind of broke down where they've gone wrong, which is, you know, everywhere, but but most notably in the lineup. And the the rotation has been worse than expected. You know, Strasburg, we've talked about Strasburg. He's missed a lot of time and, and was bad at the start of the season. Seems to be okay now. Gio Gonzalez hasn't been great, and Doug Fister has sort of fallen apart. But Joe Ross has kind of established himself as a viable starter. So this still seems like the best rotation in baseball or on the short list if you were going to pick a rotation for the rest of the season. But the lineup is weak, and uh, and Bryce Harper obviously has been way better than most people expected. I guess there was the odd Bryce Harper breakout MVP pick, but you certainly couldn't have expected him to do what he's done coming off of last season. So Harper's been great and a little less great lately, but still still excellent. But everyone else has been pretty terrible. And uh, Anthony Rendon has missed most of the season. Jason Wirth has missed a ton of time and just has been very, very bad when he has not been missing time. And Ian Desmond was bad for quite a long time. And Wilson Ramos and Ryan Zimmerman has been bad. And he's had injury issues also. So it's partly injury issues and it's partly guys who are playing and are playing poorly and maybe in some cases they're playing through some sort of injury but in other cases they're not as far as we know so it's just uh i i guess we you know some of it could have been predicted perhaps like ryan zimmerman not being all that great that maybe was sort of predictable after last season but a lot of it is just not um and i i don't know if there's a a lesson that I can draw from the fact that they've been bad other than the usual humbling reminder that we don't know anything and that we can't take anything for granted. And that when we talk about the unpredictability of prospects, we're often talking about the unpredictability of baseball players. Because mm-hmm. Ian Desmond, there weren't many more sure things than Ian Desmond, right? Yeah, sure. And and he's been horrible in all aspects. I mean, that's shocking. And Jason Worth, like, was what? Uh, hang on, he was an MVP vote getter the last two years, mm-hmm. and he's hitting like Andrew Jones' worst year right now. He's hitting like Brandon Wood right yeah. now. Yeah. One year later. Yeah. I mean, these are the sorts of things that if you tried to predict them. Uh, you would be a horrible predictor. Yes, right. You're awful at predicting things. Yeah. And Matt Williams comes in for a lot of criticism about his in-game management and maybe even about his clubhouse management. So maybe that hasn't helped, but it's also very hard to imagine that he has his presence has turned good veteran players into bad players. Wait, what are the beefs on him clubhouse-wise besides, I guess, Drew Storen? Well, that's not even him, but yeah. Drew Storen was unhappy. And then they had the Bryce Harper thing last year. Yeah, Has right. there been more Bryce Harper this year? He, well, there was there was some scolding of Harper when he got ejected from that game, but that that's not necessarily a 
sign of dissent or anything. But um, there were reports earlier this month. I think it was John Heyman um, said that many national player nationals players are unhappy with manager Matt Williams. Uh, I, I can quote it: "Said to be an unhappy scene around the Nats as manager Matt Williams has not been well received by many players." who find him not loose and never relaxed. So, uh, and then players are wondering about Williams's bullpen choices, even going back to the Drew Storen decision in last year's NLDS and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, maybe it's just the usual carping that comes up with a team that's not playing well, or I don't know, it's the age-old chemistry debate about which came first. But he has not distinguished himself tactically in a way that would make you happy with him regardless of how the players feel about him so i don't know if there's a a lesson other than the fact that uh, as the mets talk about you know resting their starters down the stretch and workloads and monitoring and you know limiting their innings and that sort of thing it's it, it it's another strasburg sort of reminder that that maybe the nationals at the time felt that they would have this great team for years and they'd have many more chances to be back in the playoffs and whether the Strasbourg shutdown actually cost them anything or not that seemed to be part of the rationale that they'd be back and now it's looking very unclear that they will be back this year and this is this is the second time that the nationals of recent vintage have notably underachieved and people talked about the Tigers when Dave Dombrowski was let go and whether the Tigers are a disappointing team because they never won a World Series in the last, you know, four or however many years of of winning division titles. And then I don't see them as a disappointing team at all because they won a lot of regular season games and they won a lot of, uh, they won some playoff series and they won a lot of division titles and those are all hard things to do and they it never quite felt like they put it all together maybe in one year that you know it just seemed like they were going to be so much better than the weak AL Central competition and they never really blew them away but but they were one of the winningest teams over a, a several season stretch whereas the Nationals have now had a couple of years during this run where they've been projected to be the best team in baseball and everyone thought they'd just sail into the playoffs uncontested and like 2013 when they went 86 and 76 and missed the playoffs they are kind of in the same position this year and I wouldn't call it a make or break year or anything but you know they are getting closer to losing some guys they have free agents this year like Jordan Zimmerman and Denard Spann and others and the Strasburg, yeah, Doug Fister. Not that, not that anyone would be sorry to see him go right now. And the Strasburg clock is ticking, and and there's always some some clock ticking. So it's probably fair to call the Nationals of the last few years disappointing. I, I don't know. Not that they'd be devastated to hear that I have I have authorized people to use that label on them. But well, the no, they had know, they had. Back-to-back number one picks. Yeah. The two, the two most hyped, sure thing, number one picks ever. Yes. And they had a huge market payroll. Mm-hmm. And they've missed the playoffs 
two of their they're likely to miss the playoffs two of the four years. Yeah. And basically their entire franchise existence up to now is two playoff appearances. And if that's all you get out of it, if they don't make the playoffs next year, then it would be certainly disappointing. Yeah. And, this run. And, and I think it's fair to say it's now. And two losses in the NLDS, which right. I don't I don't know that I necessarily distinguish between a if a team wins a hundred games and it loses in a five game series, I don't I don't know that that would make me call them disappointing. But for many people, obviously it would. If they had if they had won a World Series one of those years, then we would not call this disappointing. So the fact that it's been early exits both times that they have made it um, only reinforces that that perception so burn it down trade harper yeah they're not they're not at that point right they're not at the point where you say that they missed something they missed their opportunity and no, now well, they have so, to start over so right they right now i think i looked yesterday and i think their expected winning percentage is 538 uh which if let's say we took that into next year on opening day would make them a very serious playoff contender it would basically make them the astros mm-hmm. uh of this year uh, as a projection, and so that would be uh, pretty pretty good. And you mentioned that yes, there are free agents. They're losing Zimmerman, who's a key loss. Span, who's an interesting loss, and Fister, who's no longer a loss. And presumably, well, maybe they. Oh, and Desmond. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, so I don't know what their expected winning percentage drops to without those guys. What would you guess if you, let's say they they replace those four guys. With nobody getting more than two years, uh, so you know you're talking your your basic second or third tier free agent patches or AAA promotions. Mm-hmm. What do you think the expected winning percentage is of that team? Probably not a lot lower, five thirty. I I bet it's more than that. I mean Zimmerman. I guess is, if you lose Zimmerman, and Zimmerman don't and Desmond. I think Desmond probably still has good projections. I'm sure that that expected winning percentage is based on Ian Desmond playing like a normal Ian Desmond mm-hmm. going forward. Let me check. Uh, Ian Desmond is projected to about two wins per season, per full season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so average. average. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like roughly. So I think more than 538. I don't know that it drops down to 500. I'd guess that they're like an 80 three win team without those guys Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's not tear down for sure but what it's one more year till Strasburg's a free agent and two more until Harper is Mm -hmm. and so you definitely have to see a window for winning next year and I don't know I, I agree with you but I also don't know that a 510 winning percentage team uh necessarily has a clear window so mm-hmm. i don't exactly like that's kind of the the, the scariest place to be right mm-hmm. with a, a team with uh with fairly big payroll uh expiring contracts and a 500 projection like what do you what do you do with that that's a challenge mm-hmm. uh, harper has three years i think by the way does he have three i thought he had after, two after this after 2018 he's a free agent okay yeah Wow, that guy is young. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, you're right. And, so yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, what would you do? Do you go out and sign the two biggest free agents of the off season, and then all of a sudden you're the Red Sox, and you're wondering why Andrew Mears and Pablo Sandoval are the worst players? Um, yeah. Well, 
you you hopefully do better than that. Nope, but they're all that. Every <laughs> free agent is the worst player ever. <laughs> um, I, I I guess you yeah you you probably bring in someone because you can't afford not to. You you have to fill those spots and and maybe maybe they have enough guys that they don't necessarily need to go out and get a, an ace because we were talking about them having too many aces and Ross has been good and they've got Cole and and Roark and all these all these guys so they could probably absorb that loss and still have one of the best rotations heading into next season but you would think that they would bring in some sort of offense and it's also a it's a reminder about the the almost inevitable disappointment of the super rotation, which I think we talked about this spring and maybe when we did our Nationals preview episode. And the Nationals have the 10th best ERA from a rotation in baseball. And, you know, their FIP is, is about a half a run lower than that, and maybe part of that is defense. Their peripherals seem to be better than their ERA, but still... The, when you put together a collection of just five aces where we're talking about how they have too many aces, it's still very likely to just go wrong. And, you know, I think it it still probably is one of the best or the best rotations in baseball, but the results haven't really shown that so far. So even if you go into the air with Scherzer and Strasburg and Zimmerman and just Fister and just all of these excellent starters and you're pushing starters who were really good last year into the bullpen you still just might have a middle of the pack rotation era because that's just what happens so baseball is frustrating sometimes at least this year they did manage to turn steven souza into two awesome prospects <laughs> that's that's true that's a coup that might be the best move of the offseason yeah maybe so all right so that's our possibly premature postmortem of the Washington Nationals, and maybe they can salvage something over the last few weeks. But if not, I wonder if uh, is there another MVP candidate who vultures votes from someone who uh, believes in the has to be a playoff team to win an MVP award. And uh, beat, well, beats out Harper. Gi- I mean, if the Giants make it, there's going to be a huge Buster Posey push in the next mm. month. Yeah. Granky and Kershaw split split that vote, I guess, and Goldschmidt has the same non-playoff team problem that Harper does. So. McCutcheon, McCutcheon has the not only great numbers, but the benefit of the strange benefit of they came later in the season. Yeah, yeah. The uh-huh. the the distribution bonus that some guys get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Giants have. Uh, I feel like maybe they they have a few candidates, right? Brandon Crawford and. Matt Duffy and maybe those guys would sort of split the vote. I don't know. But yeah, they might. I don't know that. I think that you could make the case that they should split the vote, but I don't think that they will. Mm. I think it'll be fairly easy. They seem like the types who would win a, a beat writer elected team MVP. Oh, uh, yeah. No, you're right. They would win the those. They're the kind of guys who would win a team MVP, but not get the beat writers' votes for the actual MVP. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can certainly make really strong cases for them mm-hmm. to get those votes, but to me, those are down ballot names at this point. Yeah, probably. Okay, are we finished here? Mm-hmm. 
All right. We've been accumulating lots of emails. We will get to an email show soon, so send us some emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Quick PSA that we have been asked to pass on. The Sabre Seminar is this weekend in Boston. Hopefully you have tickets already because I think it's too late to buy tickets. And so many people this week have asked me if I'm going to the Sabre Seminar, and every time I am disappointed anew that I'm not going to get to go. But if you are going to get to go, if you have tickets and you'll be there, there is going to be a, a BP table of some sort, and there's going to be a lot of Stompers merchandise there. So if you've uh, been wanting to wear a Stompers article of clothing and you haven't want to pay shipping costs, and you happen to be at the Sabre Seminar, which is an intersection of things that probably applies to seven people listening right now, you can go buy lots of Stompers gear and Help out the Stompers and help out charity. So enjoy the Sabre Seminar. Buy some Stomper stuff. And you can support our sponsor, the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Use the coupon code BP. Get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And I will leave you with a moment of zen from Matt Albers and Ryan Webb. You and Matt Albers are kind of competing for this record, and, and every time one of you guys comes in to finish a game, there are a bunch of tweets from people on the internet who are keeping track of this record. And there's there's even a website this year with a like a Ryan Webb, Matt Albers fantasy league where people drafted relievers, and they get points if they finish they finish a game, and they lose points if they get a save. <laughs> are you aware of um, any of that? Yeah, I, I wasn't aware it was that in-depth. But uh, the one thing that I would say is that, you know, I'm fortunate to have been around long enough to have a record like that. So that's yeah, nice. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've played on a lot of teams that had bullpens that were, uh, every time I went in, they had an established closer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, I spent three years in Miami and we were not scoring runs, mm-hmm. not winning a lot of ball games. Yeah. Uh, you know, pitching in Baltimore last year, Britain and O'Day had that on lockdown. They were doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're just, you know, there was never many opportunities. And I, uh, you know, pitched in a lot of close games and a lot of tie games and a lot of games we were down one. Yeah. Things like that. Uh, you know, maybe that opportunity will come one day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, it's not something. That I'm offended by or anything like that. I think it's pretty. Uh, I'm pretty sure I could go out and get three outs, no matter what the situation. If you get a chance at some point, what would a what would a Ryan Webb save celebration look like? <laughs> would you would you shoot arrows off? Would you do anything? <laughs> um, I assume it would probably be a lot like my other outings. I would just get the uh, get the third out and shake my cousin's hand. I'm not going to do cartwheels out there or anything. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe that's yeah, why it I'm hasn't right. happened yet. Maybe you gotta have the celebration uh, ready to go. <laughs> I'll have to think about it. I'll I'll start giving it some thought. <laughs> or uh, I might have to step off the rubber for that last bout to, to think about what it is I'm gonna do. <laughs> so I I talked to Ryan because he is the record holder in sort of a strange stat, which I don't know. Maybe you've heard of, but he is the record holder for having the most career games finished without recording a save 
Um, yeah. And so you and he have kind of been going back and forth with this with this <laughs> record. And, and every time one of you guys comes in to finish a game, you know, there are a bunch of people on Twitter who are tracking it. And, and there's a website oh, really? with a like a Web Albers Fantasy League where people draft relievers and they get points if they finish a game and they lose points if they get a save. I don't know. Really? Yeah, no, I didn't. No, I had no idea. Yeah, I'm not. Twitter is a little bit after my time, so I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really uh, on Twitter and uh, yeah. follow too much of that, but that I mean, no, I knew that. Uh, actually, kind of knew about the. Rec- um, you know, I played with Joe Smith uh-huh. in 2013, and I think he had. Uh-huh. The, he might have had the record, or he had a bunch of games without getting a save, and he ended up getting a save beginning of that season, and yeah. that kind of brought my attention to it. So I was like, do you know you have a ton, bunch of games without a save? And <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I don't think I even have ever had a save opportunity. So yeah. Um, so what what I, do you? How does that make you feel? I mean, do you wish yeah. that you could get off that leaderboard or? Uh, I mean, it's. I mean, what's. I mean, what's going to change? I have one save instead of zero. You know, it's not. <laughs> right. I mean, it's. It's kind of funny, but you know, I just. Uh, you know. I, you know. I guess I'm surprised. I probably didn't. You know, throw three innings at the end of a game. Right. Right. Uh, you know, when we're winning. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd probably be more likely. But you know, I mean, there's not. You know, not too many guys get get to save opportunities. You know, when you got a. You know, I've been on teams with pretty established closers. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, when you have that, you, the opportunities just aren't really there. And I don't. You know, it's not. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those just fun baseball stats mm-hmm. <laughs> you can kind of look at, and you know, and because uh, there's, there's numbers everywhere in baseball, so uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's 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 kind of cool. I'd like to get one. I mean, yeah, <laughs> might as well. So yeah, um, but, but we'll see. 